I'm singer-songwriter Ryan Oyer, and welcome to This Is Music, Britpop and Beyond from Across the Pond. Today, I'm joined by Brian Stone, and he's going to share some of his favorite Britpop tunes with us and have a chat, and so say hello, Brian. Hey, Ryan. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, I haven't been on the radio in a little while. Always one of my favorite things to do. You mentioned something earlier when we were talking and said uh, that you were the guy that like went out and found new music, and I kind of felt like that when I was a kid, too, like... Like, I'd go to media play and I'd like go sit and read the British yeah. magazines and watch or watch and, uh, 120 minutes on MTV yeah. at midnight, yeah. you know, and and just try to f- try to be the guy, which we didn't really we didn't discover anything. No, I mean it was being fed to us, really. <laughs> but, but, but to all our friends, yeah. to be that guy was that was like a badge of honor to me. I really to this day I kind of still am that way. But. Yeah. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. All right, well, welcome in, everybody. It is May 11th. 2023. Happy Thursday to you if this is the day you find it or whatever day it is that you download the Stone On Air podcast, the somewhat midweek download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga and surrounding areas. It is a supposed for-profit venture. Eight years in, that's still not really a thing. Thanks for finding the show. Getting a late, late, late start on record nights. It's been a very um, busy week. A lot of stuff going on in my personal life. It's all anecdotal and circumstantial, not really to me in particular, but family members and stuff. It's uh, Life's rough, man. Life's, as soon as you think you got it licked, as soon as you, you start thinking everything's going to be all right, eh, something else comes and smacks you in the face. It was, um, I'm going to have to just go on memory here. I, I saw it on TikTok, I'm sure. It was a quick clip from, what's the dude's name that does the, Mark Marin, one of the first, like, big-time podcasters. Um, him and Joe Rogan kind of trailblazed the, uh, the industry, and really it was because they were so well-known for things that they had already done, but... The, uh, the you know it's we all I think understand this. If you try to regurgitate a joke, it's like the worst idea ever. Like, hey, I heard this joke the other day. This comedian told. Let me try to tell you what it was, and it's like the worst. But it's it was something like this. It started. He said, um, "Listen, I I hate to be uh, uh, negative about things, but I I kind of beginning to feel like nothing is ever gonna be okay ever again. <laughs> something along." those lines and it certainly does feel that way uh, a lot of the time but overall things are good and happy to have you on board today for the show layout let me get to that real quick a uh, traditional three segment show i've got in the second segment of the show i'm going to revisit my thoughts on the rock and roll hall of fame nominees from back in february i briefly touched on this last week as i 
saw that the uh, the inductions uh, the the official class was announced while I was speaking into the microphone and recording, and I made a mention that if I knew in advance, I would have done something with it. Well, this go round, I did. It's a little quick montage from back in February and which ones I got right and which ones I got wrong. That'll be coming up in the second segment of the show, as well as a handful of clips from the uh, Britpop and Beyond radio show that I was a guest of Ryan Oyers, as you just heard there on the front end, at least a small snippet. And this turned out to be a lot of fun and a really cool hour radio show that you still have time to catch. And I'll be playing clips of it through social media off and on leading up to its airing on the 15th. That is a Monday night, so what's that, four days from uh, the the official drop of this podcast on WUTC here locally in the city of Chattanooga, uh, 88.1 FM. Traditional old school, that old relic, that dusty transistor radio is really your only way to hear it because they don't podcast a lot of their shows for some reason. I won't be, well, I'll, I'll save my thoughts till next week on a, a few things that I saw from social media involving that station and some other things that I'll I will wait till next week to talk about before the uh, the airing on Monday night. I listen to NPR a lot. I listen to I used to listen to WTC quite often, not nearly as much as I used to, but 9 p.m. 88.1 and you can get that at I believe it's WTC.org as well. So there you go. That is, uh, it's a music show where we chit chat just uh, in between a few of the songs. It was, it was really, really cool. So I will, I will preview some of that in the second segment of the show, and in the final segment of the show, I'll give you a uh, kind of a wrap up of this series that I've been doing since, which is now March twenty third. So it's been going for quite some time, and it's probably time to put a pin in that for a little while. Because it, it's kind of the same stuff over and over. So I went through my notebook that I had while I was in uh, uh, rehab and and just kind of grabbed a few of the things I haven't gotten to. Two stories I wrote in real time that I never got to here that I never that I'm not going to read because I didn't get a chance to go back through and proofread them. And and there are a lot of the just the same stuff over and over again. So I'll kind of wrap that all up. A lot of notes to sell. Some of it overhearing. Some eavesdropping that I would, had done some things people were saying. Um, I think you'll find some of it a little bit interesting. and uh, Or maybe you won't. I don't know. We'll find out together in the third segment of the show. I'll get you three pieces of audio, the worst idea, the realest thing, and the coolest thing, all coming up in a little less than 10 minutes from right now. We'll start with the latest from Station Street. I had it printed off, and I didn't get around to highlighting it, and I don't even see it here quickly. Uh, the Oh, here it is. Off-duty police officers added at Station Street as full operating hours have returned. Um, so that's good to anybody who was saying many of the, the establishments on the street said they were losing thousands of dollars by having to close early. I, I guess I can only just take them for their word. The extra security, though, according to Ellis Smith and Chris Anderson from Tim Kelly's administration, the mayor's office, says it'll be about five dollars to $6,000 per week. And every business owner along Station Street said that they will help contribute, except for, surprise, surprise, asshole Brian Joyce of the Blue Light. And then I guess the other guy that also is a part owner or part operator or part uh, gangster, whoever he is, 
Joseph Bruns, they, they have not committed to helping pay for that. Shocking news there, even though I think I might have seen that they have decided that they will. I don't know, but they're back open till 3, um, and it's going to come at a cost to the city. It's got a whole bunch of things here that I, again, didn't get around to highlighting, so uh, we'll just leave it at that. Station Street's back open. And, you know, should, should they be out drinking in the streets? Probably not. That was probably a bad idea, as that is um, starting to become pretty clear. Did you see this? Did you see this? I bet you didn't because there wasn't a like announcement. But I saw the Riverbend, uh, 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 um, some kind of social media hit on wherever it was. And it was just a promo of just, you know, an advertisement. And I pulled it up just to look at it for whatever reason. I already pretty very familiar with the weekend and very much looking forward to it. And I saw the stages and the stage names. And, of course, there's the Coke stage, the new one, the good one, not that crappy barge, not that dumb boat uh, that's thankfully dilapidated and long gone. So there's the Coke stage, which is the main stage. And there's the Chevy stage, which is a pretty crappy stage, but, hey, it still serves its purpose. And then there's the second stage. It's always been there, the same spot. It's always been at Riverbend for all these years. The one over there right below the old Jotty is actually right in front of the old Jotty, um, closer to the, you know, the aquarium side. And it is not called the stage that you're used to calling it. You know, that beer that nobody wants to drink because of some influencer, some whatever campaign that was done a few what's now a little while back that seemingly the fallout is continuing it is not the bud light stage it is now the ultra stage the ultra stage Michelob ultra stage so this damage is still lingering and i am shocked i am absolutely i'm very very surprised that this has lasted this long I was figured just some big story would hit nationally that would get everybody else's attention. I surely there's been something that would clat or, or would be would fall into that category of a big story to grab other people's attention, but I don't know what it is and clearly it hasn't yet as locally here Bud of Chattanooga has decided to scrap the Bud Light stage and call it the Ultra stage. Still is just so perplexing to me that people would stop drinking a crappy light beer that they supposedly like because of some kind of social media influencer little throwaway kind of campaign social media advertisement. So bizarre, but hey, that's the world that we live in. So we'll be watching Goose on Saturday <clears throat> around 7.30 at Riverbend on the Ultra stage. Uh, City Cafe is closing and moving uh, a few blocks down. A lot of people had a lot to say about that. Can't really imagine how that uh, matters. That is a pretty crappy hotel there. I believe it's a day's in, and that's a 24-hour drunk tank. And I guess, you know, the people are mad. Like, this is, this is an outrage. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of drunk asses. All of downtown drunk is, drunk and drunkards go to the City Cafe because there's not a Waffle House nearby at least well there's one in red bank but that's a little bit further away so probably a good idea to get that out of there and they're going to relocate so they'll be fine talking about turning the old lookout stadium or the current lookout stadium which will eventually be the old lookout stadium into the um 
where is it? Lookout Stadium site on Hawk Hill studied for the new federal courthouse that they've been bouncing around to a lot of different areas in downtown to uh, move to. And uh, it sounds perfectly good use of that land, whatever they want to do with it. It's the city's land. They just got to get the stadium off of it and get the team moved, which we all know is going to be happening soon enough. I want to get to this podcasting thing here in just a second before I run out of time. Um, gas prices on their way back down. Why? I don't under, we're, it, it, It's warming up. This is when I thought gas prices were supposed to go up. Once again, the gas prices thing. I never understand why it's going whatever direction that it is going. And I ordered $100 worth of non-alcoholic gin today on an impulse buy from a targeted ad. And I'd been planning on doing this for a long time, so it wasn't completely impulse, but it was close. And it's pretty expensive stuff, but a lot of the reviews look good. So I'm looking forward to, by the next time I talk to you on this show, I will be uh, probably having my mocktail gin and tonic with this very pricey uh, non-al gin. I've got very high hopes, and I hope the stuff doesn't suck. We'll find out soon enough. Going to head to Knoxville this weekend and go to a, a Smokies game and do some of the family stuff I was talking about. We're going to be some things to do up there for the weekend. So that will be um, difficult at times, but also nice at times to catch a ball game and hang out with some of the family before we do Mother's Day things on Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that listen to the most listened to podcast in the city of Chattanooga. So real quick here, podcasting made easy. I saw this um, on somewhere and I, uh, I, I had to see what this meant. Podcasting made easy and it is a class that is taking place at the chattery in june it's 25 dollars, and then after you click on it i went to see how much their fees were it's 31 dollars and 16 cents and here's how it's described welcome to podcasting made easy introduction to podcasting the perfect class to anyone who wants to start their own podcast and this class will cover everything you need to know to get the blah blah blah, blah, blah. once uh, one of the great things about podcasting is that you don't need a lot of fancy equipment to get started. Here's the guy who does it. Um, it's likely you already own some of the things you'll need, such as a smartphone or a laptop. Uh, follow these tools to effect for effectively to effectively record high quality audio and create a professional sounding podcast. And it goes on from there. Listen, it takes a hell of a lot more than a smartphone and a laptop to make a high-quality audio and professional-sounding podcast. I get so sick of this stuff. It was a while back ago, Some I saw some ad for, get into sports broadcasting, learn it all online. You can't learn to sports broadcast online. You can't learn to be a journalist online. You can't learn to be a podcaster if and create professional podcasts if all you have is a cell phone and a laptop. It's nonsense. I get so tired of these false uh, classes, these false advertising that trick people into thinking this is, I mean, do it if you want to do it for fun. Absolutely. It, 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 it can be very, very fun, but don't expect to have a lot of listeners. Don't expect to make any money. Don't expect to have a high quality professional sounding recording. If you don't know what you're doing and all you're doing is relying on a damn cell phone. And the guy here who's teaching the class says that that's maybe all you need. Absolutely nonsense. And so I, then I started just looking up Googling podcasts in, in Chattanooga and I found, of course, there was one that I went off on the City Scope magazine, City Dope magazine. This was like seven years ago, where the headline was the golden age of podcasting. 
Nobody even gave me a call. Nobody on this list from the quote-unquote golden age of podcasting is still doing in the city of Chattanooga. And then Nuga Today in 2020, and uh, thank you to them for including me in this one, had a list. One of their uh, posts was 10 Chattanooga Podcasts. And I'm appreciative of mine being included. But I went and looked at all the ones on this list and to see how active any of them were. And the answer is none of them. People of Chattanooga. Last one was in July of 22. The Startup Show. Last one was January of 22. Big story or stories from the Big Nine. I couldn't even find it. Valorcast. Couldn't find it anywhere. Brew Chat. Friend of mine who does that. A good dude. Hasn't done a show since September of 22. The Camp House. Matt Bubsby. Also a friend of mine. Hasn't done one since May, uh, February of 2021 20, with Wade Hinton, one of the mayor candidates. Uh, Autumn Witt Boyd, which I have a story I could tell, which I don't have the time for right now. Legal Roadmap. Hasn't done one since December 20. Made in Chattanooga that they do the Ch- Chattanooga Public Library. Hasn't had an episode since January 2019. And the Nuga Bell, also a girl I know well, well, not well, but know her enough. Kate Robertson, sweetheart. She hadn't done a show since May of 2020. So... Really, this is the only Chattanooga-centric show that is every week, all the time, for years and years and years and years and years. And the other one would be whatever Clint Powell's doing. He has so many of them these days. Um, he does a good job. He does a very, very consistent basis. And then the What Podcast, which is dedicated to, to festivals, Bonnaroo, Riverbend, Moon River, Lollapalooza, Jazz Fest, you name it. It's not a Chattanooga-centric show. It's done by some people that are here in Chattanooga, one that's in New York, and then once upon a time was also in New Orleans. It is a consistent show that uh, brings great information to a very specific niche audience. But there are very few people doing consistent Chattanooga-related-centric podcasts in this city, and you are listening to the most prominent one, and I thank you for it. Let's jump into this audio. What do I have here for you first? Today's worst idea. This is from TikTok. It is a stitch about the debt crisis. I'll explain it a little bit more if it needs it, but I'll call it the worst idea. About six weeks, the federal government will run out of money. Damn, that's crazy. Has anyone asked them if like, maybe they could start a side hustle or like monetize one of their hobbies? You know, something they could do after they work 40 hours a week. Or maybe they could stop getting avocado toast or iced coffees. I've heard that that really sets you up for you know financial success. Or maybe they could reach out to their wealthy parents for like a small loan. I don't know. That's horrible. Thoughts and prayers, though. <laughs> It's such a millennial thing, and I love it so much. Oh, that's so terrible. Thoughts and prayers, though. Oh, jeez. Take that, boomers. Uh, here's the realest thing. Speaking of boomers, the boomer boomerification, if I'm saying that even anywhere near right, of Generation Z, of Gen Z. This is somebody talking about the Taylor Swift uh, shows recently in Nashville. What is this? That's the right. It's the realest thing. The Taylor Swift Eras Tour happening has made a billion like concert etiquette videos come across my For You page. I think it's so funny because there's this big argument going on about whether it's acceptable to like scream the lyrics to every single song that happens. And there is a difference between, you know, it's like a big moment and everybody's like, ah, you know, big screaming moment and obnoxiously screaming over where nobody can hear the person who's doing the concert actually sing. And of course, when I say this, it's never all of a demographic, all of an age group. It's not all of you. But this argument is highlighting the boomerfication of Gen Z 
more than anything because the whole I can do whatever I want here because I paid money to be here. this was really expensive I paid to be here just like you did you think I'm not gonna scream and be annoying next to you I can be annoying if I want that's giving the same energy as I'm a paying customer I should get whatever I want I can be loud and rude and obnoxious because I'm paying for this food it's so incredibly true and this uh just obsession with Taylor Swift is just bizarre to me. I mean, I, there's some good music there for sure, but it's an, it's amazing the amount of tickets she's selling and uh, and just the idolatry of this woman is 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 a little bizarre to me. But that's for another time. Quickly here, as I'm uh, running late, the coolest thing. This is if Tom Morello, the guitar player from Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave, if he was the lead guitar player of Weezer. This is today's coolest thing. If you know, you know. And that was exactly what it would sound like if uh, Tom Morello was the lead guitar player of Weezer. And I'm a big fan of all three, Rage, Audio Slave, and Weezer, even though Morello occasionally does overplay that thing a little bit. But, hey, that's what he does, and it works. So there you go. Coming up next, the Britpop and Beyond show. I'll give you a bunch of highlights, about five small cuts from that radio show, which will air on Monday the 15th. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination show from a couple of months ago, revisited, see which ones I got right and which ones I got wrong. That is coming up next on the Stone On Air podcast. Hang tight. It doesn't matter who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It just doesn't. But it's still fun to talk about. To me, it's not like sports Hall of Fames. This is more of a television program. This is also being put together for a good performance and a good production for television. I think it's HBO that still carries it. And I always like it because it has performance base. And now all my favorite bands, or many of them, are up for nominees every year. So I'll run through it real quick here and I'll just fly through it. Kate Bush, Cheryl Crow, Missy Elliott, Iron Maiden, Joy Division, New Order, Cindy Lauper, George Michael, Willie Nelson, Rage Against Machines, Soundgarden, The Spinners, A Tribe Called Quest, The White Stripes, and Warren Zevon. That was me, as a matter of fact, from a couple of months ago. And I really do believe that. It's just a television show. It doesn't matter who's in. And it is fun to talk about. And I love Cheryl Crow. Oh, my God, I love Cheryl Crow. And I did not like her at all. Loathed her, really, for many, many years. To me, just being a punk kid, she just wasn't cool enough. Um, she would she infiltrated my MTV, which is something that me and Ryan talk about uh, on the uh, Brit Pop and Beyond show. 
that uh, I'll maybe highlight here in a minute. I can't remember which ones I have here uh, necessarily for the podcast today. But, you know, when I, things I didn't used to think were cool then because I was dumb and realizing are very, very cool now. But Sheryl Crow is indeed a rock and roll Hall of Fame inductee for this year. And I did not think so. And I was, uh, I didn't do the math on it, but I bet I was about 50-50 on my, um, and they weren't really predictions. I was just, you know, just chit-chatting it, uh, you know, monologuing it. And so let's go back in time to two months ago and the results of my thoughts on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, or the uh, nominees, I should say. And we'll uh, doodly, doodly go backwards to February. Start from the top, and I'll just give it a thought. Kate Bush, got to plead ignorance. I don't see how there could be a possible way that that would be the case, but I'm going to just say no. Warren Zevon, he should already be in. No, it, you're wrong. Cheryl Crow, love, 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 Cheryl Crow. Not a chance. You don't think, Brian. Missy Elliott, I also don't know her genre and how important she is to music in that in that time frame. I think the argument could be made, but I'm not going to do it. She's not in. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> Iron Maiden, don't understand how they're important to music whatsoever, other than they just fit in with their time frame and genre very well and had a very, very strong following. But as far as a, a mainstream level, maybe I'm too young. Maybe I missed it. But, I mean, they're not Metallica. They're, they're not even in the same sentence, paragraph, book. As Metallica, I mean, I'm just biased here. I'll never give you Joy Division in New or uh, New Order. I won't even talk about it. Cindy Lauper, I would give you the opportunity to make a case for me, but just sitting here looking at this, I don't know that her contributions are strong enough. You are correct, sir. George Michael, I I don't see how he is important enough to be a Hall of Fame member, though I I do like George Michael and a lot of that music. I I grew to like it. <laughs> I think this is a good year. Put Willie Nelson in. You don't know how much longer we're going to have him, right? I mean, that's just that simple. Rage Against the Machine, very important to music from the 1990s and still to this day. Rage, I think this is her second time on the ballot. Put him in. I am the smartest man alive! Soundgarden, I want to say yes because of all the obvious reasons. If you're regular, you would know why. I would say probably not yet. Not talking about the spinners because I'm ignorant and don't know. You're stoned. Listen, you're wrong. And no chance on a tribe called Quest. No freaking chance on a tribe called Quest. I don't even know why they're on the ballot. You are correct, sir. I don't know that the White Stripes are Hall of Famers. I think Jack White is a Hall of Famer, if that makes sense. But I'm not sure on that one. I would have to think about that for a little bit. So I'm going to say for today, no. There you go. There's my first thoughts. I know it's just like anything else. Depends on who you ask. Depends on what era people's favorite music is. But I do think that's a nice nomination list to discuss. And we're back to present time, May 11, 2023. And so, yeah, about, I don't know, that was roughly 50, 50 or so on my uh, on my guesses. And I, I do think that that will, uh, in the end, down the road, will pan out that Jack White will very much be a, a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. I would say that he's probably not eligible because his first solo record wasn't until 2012. So he won't be eligible. I think it's 25 years after your first record. So if they're going to put him in as a solo artist, 
it would have to be 25 years after 2012, if I'm remembering that right. Maybe I'm off on that a little bit. Maybe it's only 20. It's a little while anyway. And the White Stripes just weren't, I mean, they just never did a lot for me. And the two-member thing, the guitar only and the drum only thing, it's like, okay, great. You guys are clever. You made fun music with only two instruments. You know you can add others, right? The Black Keys figured this out. After a little while, they did the same thing, and they did it better, by the way, with just the drums and the guitar player. And then they realized, wait a second, if we add a whole freaking band, we can be a hell of a lot better with, you know, backing vocals and backing guitars and basses and all these other great instruments that make wonderful music. I mean, I mean, we're all impressed. That's great. You did it with just two of you. Why don't you add two or three more, and it'll be that much better. So you'll see Jack White eventually, but I would, I would be surprised if you ever saw the white stripes themselves. So let's transition now to the radio show on WTC 88.1. Ryan Oyer, local uh, singer-songwriter. He's been doing it for a long time. I think I first met him in 2011-ish, 2010, 2011, something like that, when he came in to uh, Jeff Styles' show on uh, Talk when I was uh, the producer of that show. And those were fun days. I mean, we did a lot of fun radio back then. And uh, he came in to play some music and plug a show or something. And I, th- I think he was new to town at that time. I- I'm not real close friends with Ryan. But he is one of those guys that I you know, I see out all the time. And we talk every time that we see each other. And it's generally always about Oasis. We're both huge Oasis and Noel fans. As a matter of fact, we're not going together. But I'll see him at the Nashville show in um in June. And so we kind of immediately had that kind of connection to talk about British music. The difference is, is he's a huge Beatles guy. I mean, Beatles, Stones, Cream, Clapton, Zeppelin, the whole gamut of all that uh, hugely, wildly important and uh, very, very popular and uh, game-changing music, really, for a couple of decades back in the 60s and 70s. And I'm just not as big a fan of a lot of that. And much of that has to do with me working at that crappy classic rock station, KZ 106 Sucks, for so many years. And that's not fair. That's not fair to those bands to not like them because I don't ever want to hear Beast of Burden again. But, I mean, even like The Who, I'm really not that big a fan of because I'm so tired of Who Are You and Won't Get Fooled Again, even though that's a great song. And many others. And so that's that's not a fair way to evaluate it, but he is he he covers it all. And I love the stuff from the 90s. And when he has a guest on his show, the guest picks the playlist. Or at least in this setting, he let me do it. And that made it even more fun. Curating an hour of music and chit-chatting about it. There's not much more in this world that is fun, just just enjoyable to me than that. So I hope you tune in and listen because it was a lot of fun. So I'll give you a little uh, preview of that right now. This was talking about the band The Verve. Of course, they're a song that everybody knows, Bittersweet Symphony. Um, If you don't, as soon as you heard it, you'd remember it. That big-time one-hit wonders, but they had a lot of music, and they were very good for a long period of time. They just weren't that popular. This is me and uh, Ryan talking about that very thing on Britpop and Beyond. Uh, so we're going to go into Lucky Man by The Verve. And this is just a song I've liked from a band I've always known, but I don't know a lot about the band, The yeah. Verve, other than, you know. I, you know, the funny thing about The Verve, too, is like, 
Noel Gallagher even dedicated uh, Cast No Shadow to Richard Ashcroft. And it's like one of those bands that by all intents and purposes should have made it and just didn't. For some reason didn't. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like there's a lot of those bands that were in that circle that would be the similar to the uh, the Seattle scene of a couple of years earlier mm-hmm. where there was Mud Honey. And there was Sonic Youth, mm-hmm. and there was uh, several others. Those are probably the worst examples of the ones I'm trying to make. But others that were like Screaming Trees. Yeah. Why didn't they make it as big as all these other ones? Right. Well, just sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Exactly. And that, that sounds like that might be a similar situation. But um, but I am a, a, a pretty big fan of the small amount of the verb music that I know. And to be fair, it is a very small amount that I know in the song Lucky Man is really actually the only other song I'm really familiar with other than just a couple that I don't even remember the names of them or anything like that. So that's a good tune mixed in with all the other ones from the show. We'll jump here to uh, Bush. Little Things was one of the ones I chose. And a lot of people don't even think about Bush as being a British band, but they very much are. Uh, Gavin Rosdale, the lead singer, is, I think, lived majority of his adult life in the U.S. and has had a, you know, most of his entire career has all been within the States and people forget that they are a a British band. But that record, 16 Stone, was a big deal to me. And uh, more on that from Britpop and beyond. That record, uh, 16 Stone, is one of my favorites from a stretch of like 92 to 90. I'm making up years because I could be off a little bit here and there, but... Early 90s to mid 90s, probably 95, I guess, maybe. Yeah. And that that track, that riff, that do 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 it took me forever, but I learned that on guitar by myself listening to it. That's awesome. Now I had learned, you know, I had people teaching me how to play. I was self-taught, but I was self-taught by people showing me how right. to play, but not lessons. Right, right. Right. But the people who were showing me were self-taught, but much more skilled than me. Yeah. And so for me to sit down and figure out a song by ear was a big deal no, totally. at that age. Yeah. And just doing that four chord progression, once I licked that and got the strum and the, you know, it's not that hard. It's pretty simple stuff. Right. But I was like, man, I'm, I'm good. Well, I wasn't good, but I, <laughs> I was a kid and I thought I was. And so. No, but that, it's that, that moment of bliss of like, I've. Done something I figured that, it out. I, I, yeah, I figured it out. Yeah, yeah, not not just some book showed me how to do it or somebody. I figured figured that out. And it, uh, Nirvana Unplugged was another good one. For, yeah, for learning yeah. how to just figure out riffs. Oh yeah. But anyway, to this day, that's still my favorite Bush song ever. And part of it is because of that. Not that it's because it's their best song, right? But for me, no, that's really cool. And really, everything, most everything Bush did after that record, I really wasn't that interested in. Some of it was was good, but it, I got tired of it pretty quickly. Um, but that song, "Little Things," I will love it forever and ever and ever, just because of that uh, story. And we went on to talk about other songs that Ryan learned, some of the first songs he learned, and uh, chit chatted further on that. This is um, <laughs> it depends on who you ask. About Coldplay. Um, I thought they were lame for a long time. And then I started to listen and realize they're really not lame. And I don't know why I thought that. And then I have several people who regularly are just like, dude, they suck. Coldplay's terrible. How can you say that? And uh, I just don't think that's a fair 
uh, a fair assessment. Coldplay, it depends on who you ask on how important, maybe legendary, whatever other word you can use, or completely useless <laughs> Coldplay is. Where are you at on, on that? You know, for me, I like Rush of Blood to the Head was a great record. Parachutes, great record. Yeah. They lost me a little bit. It's they're like there's a point where I absolutely love what they did. And even within that, it's like it's not the greatest thing I've ever heard, but I enjoy it. Um well after a while it it all starts to sound the same. Very much. Like by and the time I heard like clocks and then there was another uh speed of sound. Yeah. I was like, oh okay. It's like we've done this. Yeah. We've done this uh over and over. I've seen this movie I get, I get all that. It's just every now and again, I just need simple, easy listening. Yeah, make you feel good. No, I'm a lot like that with several bands. Kick, kick your feet, kick your shoes off. I don't think Coldplay (laughs) is changing the world in music, and I think some people would argue that they have. Right, right. But I like them, especially uh, that one. God put a smile. That is a great, great tune. I will never. Never apologize for liking Coldplay, and certainly never apologize for loving that incredible song, God Put a Smile on Your Face. Radiohead is always an interesting one with me. We'll go right into that, and I don't remember what we're talking about here, so I'll have commentary on the other side. Quickest story ever, as I know we're already running late on time this hour, and I appreciate you having me in, Ryan. Thank Um, you. I am so tired of Radiohead. I don't ever want to see a Radiohead show again. I've seen them two or three times. I don't ever want another Radiohead album. I'm tired of them. And I have been for a while. (laughs) Really, ever since Kid A. I've been tired of them. And that one, I barely gave them. Like that, They were losing me at that point. Yeah. One of my favorite records of all time is the bands. The bands. It's such a great record. Start to finish, every song, absolutely incredible. So it's like one of the, it's a very odd scenario where a band I don't even really like mm-hmm. has an album that's one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> like that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh yeah. usually anyway. And so I went back and forth on what song to play from that record because they're all oh, great. It's so good. It's so so good. or even as early as like 20 minutes ago before you got here, I was like, do we really want to play just? Because <laughs> there's 10 other ones. Right. No, I love that one. That one kind of seems like it leads into what they kind of end up doing in OK Computer and stuff it, a it, little bit. I get I get exactly what you're saying on mm-hmm. that. And I didn't have it in me to, to say on the show out loud that I actually don't even really like the OK Computer album. And that is blasphemous in the uh, alt-rock music world of the last 30 years because it is a, uh, a iconic and uh, just loved record by so many. I like it okay. I don't love it like everybody else. It's Pablo Honey, and it's the Benz with the Radiohead. Uh, with the Radiohead. With Radiohead. After that, I don't have a hell of a lot of time for them. Going back to like what we mentioned on the very front of the show, we were talking about both of us being, when we were young, when we were kids, children, in our early to mid-teens, Finding the new band and introducing it to our friends was something that we both shared as like a pastime of ours. Whether we actually really did that is you know debatable, but at the time it was something that we both uh, really enjoyed doing, and uh, that led into this, which a band I absolutely love that I've stumbled on a few years ago, Catfish and the Bottle Men. And uh, Ryan is not that uh, in tune with what they do, and uh, we discuss. That uh, in this final cut from Brit Pop and Beyond music from what is it from 
over the pond and be a whatever the hell it is. Here you go. So speaking of which, tell me about Catfish on the Bottom End because this is a band that I've heard about, heard the comparisons to Oasis, and um, I, but I never really delved into. I wish I could remember where I stumbled on them. I guess it was when I was working at the uh, the music station in town, Alt 98.7, which I guess is still on the air. Mm. Um, a bunch of COVID cuts, lost a large amount of staff there a few wow. years ago. Yeah. So I haven't been... Um, plugged into that in a while i'm guessing that's where i originally found them but the more it was the onion that you peel instead of it getting worse Mm -hmm. it gets better yeah and it's uh we talked about a minute ago it's it i have confirmation from others around me at the time of the of this anecdotal conversation with just random people at bonnaroo that that they sound like a combination of oasis and jet so like the melodic kind of really often inspiring music that Mm -hmm. that oasis can be yeah you know it's a very uplifting message most of the time right right and then this just kind of bunch of hooligan (laughs) jet that's just you know pill popping right raucous get out of my way we're doing rock shows (laughs) put that together and that's what you got with catfish in the bottom and and uh and I love, 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 love just about everything they do. And that is one of the things I really miss from that radio station, Alt 98.7, is finding some of those new uh, bands and new songs from bands I am already familiar with that I just don't really have the resources to stumble on as much now. But one of my favorites in the last half decade is Catfish in the Bottom, and it is so much fun and is one of my favorite shows that I ever saw at Bonnaroo early on the what stage, the main stage, on a Saturday at like 1 p.m., it's the only time in the 20 years of going to Bonnaroo that I've been in the pit for the what stage. I've had many opportunities. Some of them are actually pretty good stories as how I didn't end up in the pit before, but it's the only time I ever made it there, and it was uh, it was a fabulous afternoon on one of the greatest sounding stage, if not the greatest sounding stage in the country, maybe in the world, is the what stage at So the entire show will be available once again Monday night, May 15th at 9 p.m. And I very likely will uh, keep a copy of it and probably post it on this uh, feed, the uh, Stone on Air feed. So if you see it and you want to hear it, uh, then you can do it that way. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure about the legalities of that. I might not be able to post it because it plays full songs with you know copyright and licensing and all that and even though it is airing on a radio station which in theory they pay the fees bmi and ascap fees that allow them to play music that's how that works in the industry i don't know if i can play it back on a podcast or not we'll find out soon enough monday night nine o'clock wutc.org and 88.1 here in the city of chattanooga so the final stories maybe I shouldn't tell kind of sorta just the wrapping up of that series that I've been doing since March I will get to that coming up next as I close out the segment with Catfish in the Bottleman and Long Shots this is the Stone on Air podcast listen the distance between us could have took a while once we closed that difference you turn up like a friend of mine once in a while the little thing Make me smile as if one of our long shots made up. Listen, that distance. More of 
on air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At fillingonair.com. When does someone need to start worrying? The issue is, do you have an incipient problem or do you have a problem that needs treatment, right? And these are two different issues. If you can control it, you better be careful and you better control it because you're going to lose control. And if you lose control, do you need treatment? If you can't stop on your own, you're going to need some help. Do you need inpatient treatment? Well, inpatient treatment these days is generally reserved for people that are going to have withdrawal. And let's remember, alcohol is the only drug that people commonly use that's a carcinogen, that's toxic to every tissue in our body, and from which the withdrawal is not infrequently fatal. It's not so much about the amount, right? So first, do your own personal assessment. Do I have this genetic history? Am I having consequences? It's really, for me, the, the relationship with the substance is a problem when there are consequences. It's defined by the consequence not by the amount consumed. I told you last week, if I heard a song by the Spinners, I'd be like, oh, that's that band. Yeah, okay. I'll be around. Is this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame worthy? Not if you're asking me. But that's fine. That is just, just fine. That was Dr. Drew. And he's right and, for me, a little wrong when he says that it's the... When you realize you have a problem is when there's consequences. When the consequences get to a certain point. That kind of rock bottom, as we call it situations and uh, but not as much the amount the volume of the consumption and you know maybe the stats show that that's true for me it was both and it was really more of the uh, the volume and the health aspects of it the consequences really there were plenty of them no doubt over 23 really 23 solid years of drinking plenty of consequences that came from uh, drinking too much no doubt and I never hit what you would consider rock bottom but the thing is is I actually did many times I hit what could have been rock bottom the the thing is I didn't get caught right like that's the simplest way I can put it I didn't I didn't get the DUI. I didn't sit in jail for two days or a day and a half because of wrapping my car around a tree, even though I kind of almost really did back in the 90s when I was a teenager. That's a story I don't have time for right now. But as an adult, as a consistent daily drinker, I didn't ever get caught. I didn't I didn't hit the rock bottom, even though there was many times I woke up on a, any given day and felt like that my life is completely out of control. I have zero control over what's going on on a daily basis, and it um, it just it just hit me eventually one day and and to finally do something about it. I, I I knew there was a problem for at least a half a decade, maybe even longer. I just didn't care, and so I guess it is uh, it is anecdotal and circumstantial to everybody's situation, but it is. The situation I'm dealing with in, in life right now that is not immediate to me, but it's indirectly and it's in my periphery, is it, it can be fatal. It absolutely can. 
that is not some kind of just, you know, bad movie you watched once or some Lifetime movie or some kind of PSA you saw on on a uh, on a, you know, the more you know on NBC or something. Drinking is it alcohol is freaking poison, man. It is. I'm sorry to be the preacher man guy. I still love it. I'm still involved with uh with with the activities that drinking comes along with because I think it's I think it's great. I'm not anti-alcohol consumption. I'm not at all. I just it's it's so refreshing and um uplifting to be at a place in my life when I can realize that it's just for me it doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. And I didn't think I as a person could work anymore without it. And it terrified me. Again, sorry, the rep- repetitive nature of this series, that of this third segment of the last two months. I've, I'm saying a lot of the same, same things over and over again. I didn't think I could function. I didn't think I could do creative things. I didn't think I could be fun. I didn't think I could go out with my, my friends. And uh, that's not true. It's not true. It's so incorrect. And it's such false way of thinking. And I think so many people fall into that trap. That's what this disease i hate to call it a disease but that's what it is that's but that's what this addiction does to people and it can make you sick and it can kill you and um i just uh, i wish the best for everybody who's struggling with it because it is a real real struggle and i went to the Braves game on saturday and i've been continuing my biggest thing is stay busy stay busy find something to do even whether it's productive for the house or for my life or for whatever or go out see people, go to a show, go to a live uh, event at Miller Pla- uh, Miller Plaza, Miller Park during the 420 weekend, go to the Braves game, go to the lookouts, you know, continue to do the things that make me happy as opposed to what AA continues to tell you that you can't do those things. And I'm here to prove to people that you can. You absolutely can. But it takes incredible discipline and incredible focus. and. Um, so I had two stories that I didn't get to that I, I I still won't because they're basically just the same thing over and over again. There was the yoga sessions, and then there was Beautiful Day, I think is what I called it. And what happened on the Beautiful Day one, let me make sure, what is it called? It's a Steve Carell movie that was a well-done uh, and popular you know, box office flick. It wasn't some kind of straight-to-DVD or straight-to-download kind of thing. And there was a tornado warning in late February or early March, in the middle of the day, maybe you remember it, and I don't remember it other than I just heard about it because I didn't have a phone, I don't have internet, I don't know what's going on, and we just hear that there's a tornado warning. So they cut off all the um, programs for the day because most people who would come in to, I'll just for lack of a better way of putting it, teach the class or the, the, the meeting, they come in and they leave. You know, it's a coming and going kind of thing. And so they just canceled everything because of that tornado warning. And we popped a bunch of popcorn. They have this like huge old school um, movie theater style popcorn machine. It was really cool. And it was, I mean, there's a damn big difference in real popped kernels popcorn than just the crap you throw in a microwave. And we ate popcorn and we watched uh, different things on TV for a few minutes. And then we watched that Steve Carell movie. And it was really, uh, it was just a nice day. It was just, uh, it was one of the first days that I really felt, um, what am I trying to say? I guess I, I didn't feel completely out of place. 
was able to relax and not have to deal with uh, a lot of preaching style meetings and just watch a flick and eat popcorn and, and hang with people. And it was it was a nice day. Um, and then there was one time where one of the uh, once a week we go out to do things like go to the park or I think the aquarium is on the list occasionally go bowling. We went to see a movie. I haven't been to a movie theater in 20 plus years. And it was that ridiculously dumb ass movie called. Now I don't even remember. What was it? Uh, Champions. That's right. Champions. The Woody Harrelson movie where he uh, look it up if you want. Oh, my God. It was terrible absolutely terrible uh so that was another one of the uh outings for that three-week stretch that i was there and then i just started going through my notebook to look at a few different things here that i want to and i wasn't able to type it out today so it's all my scratch handwriting but the first thing that happened when i was there for the first day and i was just hung over as hell i mean you know still basically buzzed just terribly hung over and i walk in around one o'clock and some of the, the meetings and sessions would be outside if the weather was nice. And it was pretty warm during this stretch of February and March. It got really cold for like one weekend, but the, the other two and a half weeks, it was pretty warm and nice out most days. And I, uh, I could have just gone straight to my, I was you know showing my room and take all my stuff to unpack. And I could have just stayed and laid down or read or done nothing. I didn't, the first couple of days you're there, you don't have to do anything. Um, just rest if that's all you want to do. And I walk in and they're starting to walk outside to go to one of these meetings. And I said, what the hell? I'm here. Let's go. I'll go. And that was probably not a good idea because I wasn't in any kind of frame of mind to really even understand what was about to happen. So we go outside, we sit around the butt hut. If you listen regularly, you know the story on the butt hut, the gazebo. And of course, everybody's chiefing on cigarettes and um, she, this woman I later would find out was my personal therapist. So I talked to her almost like not every day, but two, three, four times a week, uh, one in one-on-one settings. And she's a wonderful woman. But at this point, I don't know anybody here. I don't know who anybody is. I don't know what any of this is. And we're sitting there and, uh, someone says something about and it, the, the, it's a spirituality class. So I immediately start pushing back on it. And, uh, and then somebody was nearby, and um, and it somehow it, it came up that uh, oh he's not a Christian. Speaking of one of the one of the guys that was in the program at the time, and it turned out he was my first roommate. And I turned around, I was like, "Yeah, I like him better already." <laughs> was just being a smartass. Well, he was a Muslim. That's why he wasn't a a, a Christian. He was a practicing Muslim. Um. A few more things went on. I don't really remember. And then I probably mentioned something else about the spirituality thing being kind of, you know, just puzzling to me. And some dude, this just red ass guy that I don't think I don't remember ever seeing him again. Maybe it was his last day. Maybe I just was too out of it that week to remember. But he looked up and said, sounds like somebody around here doesn't like Christians. And he eyeballed me and just stared a hole in me. And I just kind of looked at him with that, you know, you know what eating grin, F you, dude. Like, I was just, I shouldn't have been in this meeting. I absolutely should not have. Um, that was, um, <laughs> I thought <laughs> that was at least worth remembering, so I wrote that down. Uh, we went to one of the AA meetings, and there was this guy named Gabriel, and he was what I called a uh, a rehab hobo. 
He was just bouncing from one facility to the next. Wherever he could get accepted, wherever his insurance would cover, he was in a lot of legal issues. From what the the grapevine said, he all he had been charged with uh, domestic assault, had like choked somebody or something. So there was like it was a pretty serious charge. And as long as he stayed in rehab, he didn't have to worry about the court at that point. And he seemed like an all right guy, but you know how much can you really figure out about somebody in a setting like this? And we went to one of the AA meetings off site, and he spoke out loud. And he said uh, a bunch of gibberish. I mean, and this guy was regularly kind of look. He looked insane. There was there was he looked he had an, a a wild eye look if that makes any sense. And he said blah 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 blah. And he's I'm uh, clearly paraphrasing, but um, something to the effect of finishing his thoughts in the meeting that sometimes it would be better if I were just extinct. Now, that's a pretty serious thing to say out loud. And everybody in this meeting just pretended like it didn't happen. I was like, did you guys just hear this? He basically just said, I mean, that that sounds suicidal to me, right? And then a couple of us talked about it afterwards. I think everybody was kind of murmuring about it. Like, can you believe what that dude said? The next day, <laughs> the guy walks up to me. is like, hey, man, I wanted to let you borrow this book. It's called the Maps of Meeting. And I was like, oh, okay. Thanks, bud. And I don't, and he was like, yeah, it's about the blah, blah, blah. And he just goes on a bunch of gibberish. And I was like, okay, cool. Of course, I didn't even open it and gave it back to him the next day. But uh, <laughs> the guy who wanted, who said he should be extinct the night before, the next day was lending me reading material. Uh, a couple days later, a week later, whenever it was, there was another gathering meeting out at the butt hut at the gazebo with the same therapist. And this time I'm more in, you know, now I know what's going on and I'm more part of everything. And this was a daily affirmations, uh, basically was the subject matter. And it, it, all I could do was get, I couldn't get the Stuart Smalley thing, Smalley, Smalley, whatever the hell his name is, the Al Franken character in Saturday night live. Um, and, uh, and I was just being a smart ass. And it, she said, I want everybody now to write a note to yourself. And I wrote this. And I don't do anything that I don't. You don't have to share, but I always do. Why am I here? Why am I writing this down if I'm not going to share it? And I put, Dear Brian, you don't need God, religion, or even spirituality to live a sober life. You have failed miserably at times. And you have had great successes also. P.S. You're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. And I got about one small smirk from about 20 feet to my right. Uh, most people were young in this uh, setting, and they didn't get the joke. And it wasn't, you know, to be fair, it wasn't a very funny joke. But me and a few 30 to 40-somethings got a little bit of a, of a kick out of it. And the last little bit I'll uh, end with here is uh, just some random stuff from a few people. There was this kid, literally a kid, I think he was like 19 or 20 years old, and he wore this like puffy jacket like it was the middle of winter and this like crocheted looking uh, beanie like every day. And he slept all day long through every class, every meeting, every session. 
and um, he was just using it as a place to stay, or his parents sent him there, or whatever. He was really a nuisance overall. But I kind of liked him because um, he was. I, I looked over and noticed he was playing ping pong, and he was pretty good at it. And it turns out I was the second best ping pong player there. He was the best. This kid who wouldn't say a word all day long slept all day. If you got him to say something, it was just. I mean, he was basically incorrigible when it came to following along with the pro- with the program and the process. But hell, the insurance checks were cashing, so they weren't going to send him away. And we ended up playing ping pong almost every day, almost to the point where he was annoying me with it. Like, hey, hey, man, you want to play ping pong again? Like, uh. I guess, except you're beating my ass every time we play. Uh, but he was fun to volley with, and we would just hit the ball around a lot. And he was like, man, this is the only thing that keeps me sane in here, man. I'm just thinking, like, well, maybe if you try something <laughs> other than sleep all day long. I'm guessing he stayed up all night doing who knows what. But um, we're sitting around outside smoking a cigarette, and he comes up and says, uh, hey, man, uh, I, I had a couple Bonnaroo shirts. I wore them. I had some band shirts I wore on purpose as ways to maybe be conversation starters. And he was like, hey, man, have you, have you ever taken LSD at Bonnaroo? And I was like, uh, uh, yeah, actually I have. Um, I don't suggest it, by the way. And he's like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. I, I got to go to Bonnaroo, man. I really, you know, it's, it's, I've been wanting to go my whole life. And I was like, well, you know, it's fun. You know, it's, it's cool. He's like, yeah, man, I really want to see Tame Impala. Like, they play there a lot, right? I was like, well, you know, they, they 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 have, sure. It's like, well, I can't wait to go see them. I didn't have the heart to tell them. They're not there, dude, and they're probably not going to be there again anytime soon. Same kind of situation with the lunch dude. At the at the he was the guy who kind of like, "Hey, do you want a drink? You want a extra side, whatever?" as you went to pick up uh, lunch, dinner, or breakfast. And um he wasn't all there. Uh sweetheart of a dude, but he said as I had my um my Bonnaroo shirt on one day, he was like, Hey man, is uh, Bonnaroo fun? And I was like, yeah, man, it's great. I love it. He's like, well, man, my bucket list is uh, to see the Melvins. Uh, I can't wait to see the Melvins. I hope they go to see them at Bonnaroo this year. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Um, are, are they playing this year? Cause I literally didn't know. I'm just again, going on these notes. And he said, well, I think they, uh, they normally do. And I'm thinking to myself, Okay, <laughs> all right. Don't don't rain on this guy's parade. And I just said in a very genuine tone, dude. I really, really hope you get to go to Bonnaroo this year and see the Melvins. That sounds like a lot of fun, man. See you later. Uh, if this was another year past life, I would have been like, hey, numb nut. The Melvins aren't there just because you want them to be there, <laughs> and they're not quote unquote normally at uh, Bonnaroo. And I talked to another guy who uh, said he was in charge of all the merch for uh, years. This guy had a story about everything, so there's no telling whether it's true. He was an older guy. He was maybe the oldest one there, uh, at least for a short period of time. And he was telling me all about how they had millions in cash. They had a deposit almost every day from the from the merch tent that he ran. And he had all this wild story that I who knows whether it's true uh, or not. But... Um, so that's just a few of the many constant, incessant, ad nauseum, nonstop small talk 
that took place for uh, three weeks. And being this far now removed from it, uh, I wouldn't change a thing of it. I wouldn't change any of it. I uh, that I, Again, I won't tell you the dude's name, but I'll never forget the ping pong playing kid's name. And I wish him the best. And I saw him at one of the AA meetings, and I went up to him. I'm like, dude, I'm glad to see you here, man. It's good to see you, dude. Like, it, it, I, you just don't want to give up on somebody so young um, who I don't even know if the guy actually had an addiction problem or not. But... Uh, so there you go. There we go. Uh, one hour, boom, like that, is uh, gone. And it is pushing midnight on Wednesday, and I am ready to wrap this thing up. So thank you so much for finding the show. Again, Brit Pop and Beyond, my guest. Our, I am the guest with Ryan Oyer's show on WUTC 88.1, 9 p.m. on May 15th on WUTC.org if you're not here locally. We'll do it again next week. Talk then. Later. Bye. Whenever